Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC. John Coleman. Dio was popping. JC, we are T plus five days since Hurricane Ian. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Do you remember that time frame in your life? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely decimated our friends down in Fort Myers. Mm-hmm. Um, very sad for those folks. Uh, was speaking with Beth Cherry, who's worked with us for 11 years. Beth's house gone, mm-hmm. rental property gone, cars gone. Um, so our, our thoughts mm-hmm. definitely go out to the southwest portion of Florida. And then all the way up through central Florida, where you and I are. We have friends that are worried about their homes flooding or their homes did flood. Yeah. Literally just met a realtor in the elevator yeah. who was up here for a closing but where he lives in central florida mm-hmm. east orlando his car gone really? lost it yeah. lost it like just absolutely got flooded out Shit so flooded. absolutely crazy times but here we are you and i are in the office yes. we're in the office studio a little sticky a lot sticky yeah. uh ac is broken at yeah. 2699 lee road in winter park florida that is the address that john and i record and um podcast out of podcast out of yeah. yeah i almost said tape like oh yeah we tape our show God, that's old school bro no tape yeah that's it's like 1997 digital. yeah not before that uh 97 is when we started crossing over from tape into digital right yeah so i was there once john no, no. i remember that transition and i fought it yeah i fought it hard but no the good news is you're safe mm-hmm. your parents safe yep yeah my family's doing good we were without power for a couple days uh my city's still under a boil water advisory mm. so do you know what that means your shit's dirty because it's infected with bacteria no it's an advisory so it means my wife is drinking purified water from a bottle oh. i'm still going to the sink oh for not real? to the sink i'm going to the refrigerator yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's a filter on that thing yeah hopefully that filter has been changed it's in never the past. been changed since you own the fridge nobody changes that shit you haven't met my wife have you i have okay then i promise you <laughs> it gets changed. gets changed okay good it gets changed yeah without her my family would be a total mess but she keeps us in line. Shout out the glue that is Michelle. Shout out the glue that holds us together. All right. But no, I'm, I'm happy that um, you know we're we're down for two days, mm-hmm. right? We we didn't work Thursday, didn't work Friday. Power came back on for most of us around Saturday or Sunday. I got years worth of yard work to do. Oh, like you do decades worth. Yeah. Well, because you live on five acres. Yeah. So, wooded. Yeah. Well, you know, built a lot of oak trees. Oak trees, not pine trees. Well, pine trees are okay. They were, they were, I was, I was surprised. Like, you know, they did well for themselves, my trees out there. Yeah. So I want to dedicate today's episode to the men and women in Southwest Florida. Okay. But I want to use it as our inspiration mm-hmm. for the topic that we want to cover, right? And the topic is a very timely topic. A, because yes, we just saw a hurricane, but like these natural disasters aren't new to us. Mm-mm. Right. Like we in Florida have been experiencing this hurricane phenomenon since really early 2000s growing up in Florida. So from 1978 all the way through about 1999, I don't ever recall really that that many hurricanes. There is Hurricane Andrew that decimated Homestead, Mm -hmm. Miami area. But in terms of its size, it was like a quarter of the size of this oh, last wow. hurricane. Okay. Now, in terms of its destruction and its speed, it may have been even more powerful, right. but in terms of size, but really since about 1999, we've been every other year, sometimes two to three times a year, having hurricane warnings, hurricane mm-hmm. scares, or hurricanes making landfall, whether it's the panhandle, 
whether it's South Florida, whether it's starting in Fort Myers, ripping all the way through Central Florida and out Daytona Beach the way that it came. But Florida's not the only state, right? Mm. If you remember, there was a time that New York, New Jersey sure. got absolutely sure. decimated with, with a tropical storm. Houston recently mm-hmm. flooded like crazy. Obviously, we all remember Katrina. Mm-hmm. And then you start talking about the natural flood plains of the, the Mississippi Delta, the Mississippi yeah. River, the tornadoes that ripped through states like uh, Oklahoma. Yeah. Then you start going out to California where you have mudslides and fires. Yeah. So natural disasters are here to stay. In fact, I don't know how many housing real estate professionals know this, but I'm going to share it with you. So this will be the first time you heard it if you didn't know it already. Natural disasters are the number one, like there isn't even a second number two, the number one concern for banks, lenders, and investors moving forward, those people who invest in real estate. It's going to be, where can I lose the most money? I'm going to lose money as a lender. I'm going to lose money as an investor who purchases or backs financial institutions who lend money to consumers Mm -hmm. when those homes get destroyed by natural disasters. Because whether you believe in it or not, science is telling us that the propensity or the exposure to these types of events it's only gonna get increased. are increasing. Mm-hmm. Global warming, I don't know what you want to call it, but science is what I like to call it. Yeah. And the science and the data, we've done topics <laughs> on this show yeah. about follow the data and follow the trends and the patterns are telling us that we're going to see more and more of this. So this is a major hurdle that no one has an answer for, but has to be addressed. It is the elephant in the room Mm -hmm. because what we see here in Florida, what Houston experienced or what California experiences, or potentially you had terrible hurricanes, not hurricanes, tornadoes go through Iowa just a year ago. Like not one area is going to be a hundred percent in the safety, right? Mm -hmm. So it has to be addressed. No one's immune. No one's immune. There you go. So let's kind of talk about, well, let's first address the elephant in the room. Hey, FYI, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, this is an issue. This is going to impact lending rules moving forward. This is going to impact insurance ability or the insurability moving forward, and no one has an answer for it. So it's not just geographically restrictive to California or to Florida or to Texas. Nope, it's going to hit also Mississippi, Oklahoma, Iowa, New Jersey, New York, et cetera, right? From Spokane, Washington to Key West, Florida, everywhere in between, we have to understand that natural disasters and um, those events that come about weather changes are going to impact our housing industry, our ability to purchase real estate, finance real estate, because what happens when that real estate is destroyed by a mudslide, by a fire, by a tornado, or by a hurricane? Good intro. Good intro. So that's, I mean... Like, we have to talk about it. And at a minimum, here's what I want people to get out of today's episode. I just want you to have exposure. I want you to acknowledge that, oh, shit, this is a real event. And if I'm going to be in this industry for 5, 10, 15, 20, or 30 years, it needs to be top of mind. I can maybe be a part of the solution, even if we can't see through the fog what that solution is going to look like. Mm -hmm. Even if you said, you know what, FTW, I'm out. Like we are going to do a future episode really soon about WTF is going on around me. Why are all these lenders closing shop? Yeah, we did an episode 
I think foreshadowing this happening. Right, now right, it's right, actually right, happening. Right. We need to do an episode on that. Right. So if you're in that boat, hey, I'm out. Well, are you out of home ownership? Because even if you get out of the industry, does that mean you're never going to own a home again? Does that mean you're never going to purchase real estate again? Are you never going to rent somewhere again? Because what we have to address is, well, what is this overall impact on housing? So I'm going to start with some of the positives that will come from this. The positives are, hey, we're given an opportunity to rebuild, repair. And if we rebuild and repair, can we do it better? Right? There's now an opportunity to serve. So if you are in the mortgage and real estate or the construction industry, you now have an opportunity to serve your fellow mankind as they try to rebuild what was taken from them. Mm -hmm. And again, it could be someone as far northeast as Daytona Beach, Florida, mm -hmm. who has four feet of water in their living room. Or it could be someone as far southwest as Fort Myers Beach, and their entire house has floated away. Mm -hmm. Or my friend's house, I believe like a 28-foot center console boat, that's a boat by the way, mm -hmm. took out the whole entire back half of their house. Like an insurance adjuster was like, hey, that's not water damage. That looks like a boat rammed into you. The problem is, why is a boat a mile inland? Right, yeah. Well, when the water surge comes up seven feet, yeah. it's pretty easy for boats to float, especially when, you know, wind is gushing at 100 miles an hour right. and blowing said boat. So the opportunities from a lending standpoint, loan officers, realtors, home buyers, renters, Hey, John, I'm pretty sure I just encompassed about 98%, yeah, 85%, 90% yeah, sure. of the American yeah. populace. Yeah. Um, check this out. FHA, our friends over at HUD, they have a loan program. That loan program is called the 203H. Think H as in hurricane. If you have a home either that you own or a home that you rented, and that home is in a natural disaster area, typically as deemed by FEMA and or as deemed by the president of the United States of America. There's now a loan program that you are eligible for. By the way, I said eligible, not qualify. You still have to qualify, but you're eligible. That would offer 100% financing. So let me walk you through that, John. You have been renting a home and you've been renting a home in Fort Myers because you love that area. You now don't have a place to live because your rental home has been destroyed due to the hurricane. You didn't own the home, John. You were just a renter. Mm -hmm. You are eligible for a 100% financing loan product because that area, if it hasn't already, will be deemed a natural disaster area by both FEMA and the mm -hmm. president that you didn't have that ability mm -hmm. just two weeks ago. Is that something other zoning restrictions for that? Like if it's deemed a natural disaster area, does that mean you can... Like you can pick up and move your shit to Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Yep. You so, just had to be able to prove gotcha. that that was your residence. Hey, okay. I lived here. You probably have to prove that that is no longer deemed to be livable. Gotcha. Now, what if you owned the home? Well, if you owned the home, then the 203H very well could be used to rehab the home. Hmm. Okay. Or maybe you want to just take your insurance check. Right. Walk away from that house, pay off the mortgage, because you do, by the way, when your home is destroyed. Let's hope that your insurance is enough to at least pay off the mortgage. And let's say that's all it was. You got enough money to pay off your mortgage. That's it. And you're like, crap, but I still need to live somewhere. Yeah. Cool. You can look into a 2 or 3H. It's a loan product that's going to allow you 100% financing. Question for you. Because normally FHA requires 
How much down, John? Come on, bro. 3.5. 3. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, three and a half percent. Nope, you don't need a three and a half percent. And you have a question. So ask your question that I want to circle back to insurance okay. in general. So, so what happens, your house is in a natural disaster. What happens to the equity? Let, let's say it appraised for before the storm of 500,000. Now it's like this nothing. What is the appraisal now like? How? That's a great question. And it's going to be a sad answer for many people. Anyone's insurance will dictate how much the payout would be. For example, there's many insurance policies that state that they will cover flood claims, but only up to $250,000. Well, if your entire home was decimated, your home was worth $500,000 and it was all deemed due to flood, then you max out at 250. If you only owed 250 on the home, you would get enough money to pay off your mortgage. But all that equity at this standpoint, unless you tapped into it somehow, is lost equity. Gotcha. Now, hopefully, and I'm not an insurance adjuster, and I could have an insurance adjuster on if it was ever deemed necessary, but hopefully there's other damage than just flooding, right? Because then those other covenants will like then- Stack on top of each other. Yeah, would, would, would stack up. Okay. For many of us, our insurance policies is for replacement value. So my, my insurance company is going to give me enough money to replace said home. So if it was a 2,300 square foot, four bedroom, two and a half bath house, what does it cost to rebuild that home on that piece of land? Mm. We can still tie into the infrastructure because there's so much that comes into construction and so much that comes into, that comes into value such as, well, the land alone is worth X. But what's not considered is things like cost overrun or what if that was done using the cost to build in 2016, not the cost yeah, to right. build in 2022. Yeah. But all in all, when it comes to insure, insuring a home and collecting an insurance claim, replacement value is going to come into to play. Did that person have flood insurance? Did they not have flood insurance? Ooh, because if water came through my house, through the ground, I would need flood insurance. I use me as an example. I have a pool. Let's say my backyard filled up with water because the neighborhood behind me was built crazily mm -hmm. and all of their runoff runs into my backyard. And from my backyard, it fills my ditch and then it overflows my ditch into my pool. Then my pool overflows and then it goes into my house. That's a flood claim. If I don't have flood insurance, that part of the damage more than likely is not gonna be covered. Now, let's say the big oak tree in the back of my yard blew over. And when it blew over, it blew through my pool enclosure. It busted out my sliders and it also poked a hole in the roof and rainwater came in. That's not flood damage. That damage would be damage created by the tree falling in, at which point it doesn't matter if I have flood insurance or not have flood insurance. So know this when it comes to just any type of insurance claim. Insurance companies, first priority is to their stakeholders and their shareholders. They are a for-profit entity. They need to make sure that no one is taking advantage of them, no one is doing anything fraudulent, and they're going to do everything they can to protect the company's bottom line. They do not want to have to pay out a claim. But at the same time, they are regulated, so they have to pay out claims. But then what happens if the insurance company goes bankrupt? What if there's more claims than they have 
Money in the bank. Money in the bank. Yeah. Now, most insurance companies have insurance. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, like most, yeah, we've done episodes <laughs> yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah. Most insurance companies have insurance. But what if that reissue insurance, yeah. that credit risk transfer insurance, what if they go belly up? Right? There's a lot of unknowns that that are happening, and it's a lot of claims all at once. So you right. better believe the insurance companies don't have enough people and enough staff. Now, they do have what's called catastrophe teams that will come in from all over the right. U.S., yeah who are here to assess damage, to start getting checks uh, cut so people can can begin the rebuilding mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. But before all that happens, um, you have to sit in line and you have to wait. So we're sharing right now with the real estate and mortgage professionals and even renters and even homeowners, hey, check out this product. It may be something after you go through your claim process, you may wanna take advantage of a 203H through FHA. But at the same time, we want to make everyone aware that it's not as easy done as said mm -hmm. when it comes to filing a claim and actually collecting on a claim. And it's going to be disputed. Well, is that flood damage or is that other damage? And if it's flood damage, I'm only going to cover X amount of your home. And to your, to your question, what happens if my home was worth $700,000? That matters less than what's the cost to rebuild. And when you get out your declarations page of your insurance, what was actually drafted? What were you paying for? What type of coverage did you have? And then finally, this is just something to know. And maybe my real estate investor friends want to be aware of this. Every one of us who has insurance on our homes, we have what's called a deductible. Yeah. Right? For some people, it's 2% general claims. It could be 5% hurricane deductible. It could be 1% general claims, 10% hurricane deductible. Damn. Well, what if your home cost to rebuild was $350,000? But what if you had a 5% hurricane deductible? Well, I'm going to do the quick math for you real quick, John. That's going to be $17,500 you have to front, and then the insurance company will cover the rest. What if your hurricane deductible was 10%? Because you wanted that cheapy, cheap insurance. Yep. Okay. Homie, don't you bust out 35K. Yo, what? $35,000 needs to come from John, and the insurance company will come in and cover the rest. Wow. Yeah, now if you had a, you're really lucky, you had a 2% hurricane deductible, cool, seven grand. But how many people do you know that have an extra seven yeah. or 17 or $35,000 sitting around? Especially when all the, yeah, not a lot. So then what do you do? Can you at least claim enough to pay off your mortgage? Because you have to pay off your mortgage. If not, you have to deal with a short sale or you have to deal with a deed in lieu or you have to deal with some kind of a deficiency credit yeah. that you may or may not really want to have to deal with yeah, right. or have to have on your credit history for the next four to seven years. Mm -hmm. So I circle back to the very beginning. This is why this is a dilemma for the housing, real estate, finance industry. This is just one event that happened in 2022 that impacted one third of one state. Now it happens to be one of the largest states, but it still impacted one third of one state. And this is going to be going on with fires and mudslides and tornadoes and other flooding events and ice storms for the next unforeseeable future for decades. Right. Yeah. And very likely it could be happening at a greater propensity. It could be happening at a greater propensity because of alleged climate change. Right or what I call science. Correct. 
or it could be as our population grows. There's more people everywhere. There's more people everywhere. There's more housing. There's more housing demand. There's more housing need. I have a question for you. Yes. Is my HOA going to go up? If I have an HOA on my insurance after this is going to be like spread out. Well, you don't have an HOA on your insurance. I know. You I know. live in an HOA. Right. Is it all uh, basically the cost to live after this? Is it just going to get spread out? Just like someone what happened to Miami when the condos collapsed, and then you know they had to spread out the cost. Normally, yes. Okay. Right. I mean, I think I know what you're asking. Like, if I lived in an HOA, mm-hmm. could I see my HOA dues go up? Well, again, according to Danielle Anderson, it depends. Right. How much damage was done to your community and how much money did your HOA have to come out of pocket to fix said damage? Mm-hmm. Right. If you lived in an HOA because you have a clubhouse and a pool and you have all this beautiful landscaping and maybe even gates yeah. and an oak tree fell through mm-hmm. the gates. Yeah. Yes. Well, now your HOA should have insurance as well, but they're going to have a deductible. Right. So it is very possible that in the future, your HOA needs to collect more money for you going forward because they have to replenish the kitty and they also have to maybe start putting more money aside for future Mm -hmm. um environmental events of of said nature so that's a possibility let's talk about insurance insurance in florida was already hella high yeah like since the hurricanes back in 2004 companies like usaa allstate and state farm they like peace out florida Uh not today like they got out yeah now, the state was trying to strong arm some of them back in saying, hey, cool, if you're not going to insure homes and you can't do autos, you can't do life insurance. And like, well, well, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. And there's other companies that are like, cool, I don't care to do autos. I don't care to do life insurance in the state of Florida because I can't afford the losses that I'm taking on in in Florida. Now, anytime there's major losses, someone has to pay for it. Like, and it could be the homeowner in Nebraska hmm. who now is going to pay an extra $11 per month or per year. Because State Farm really does need to be in Florida, but they can't afford to be in mm-hmm. Florida unless they're collecting more money because they have to be able to mitigate for future losses. Mm-hmm. Same thing goes for wildfires in California or flooding in Houston, Texas, right? I'm just mm-hmm. using Florida because it's the most relevant. Right. And then you're going to have that money pushed down to the consumer. Let's say Joe and Sally, who have their eight rental properties that they've accumulated over the past 20 years, half through house hacking. Yeah. And all of a sudden, their insurance goes up by $100 a month on all eight properties, $9,600 a year. You think John and Sally are ready to adjust their lifestyle? I do not. In order to make you know an $800 less per month? No. no. That means that renter yeah. or the future renter is going to be paying for that, uh, that next increase in homeowner's insurance through rent. So these events, they do impact everybody. And then you start asking about the haves and the have-nots. So who wouldn't love to live in St. Pete Beach, Florida, or in Destin, Florida, or Marco Island, Mm -hmm. or heck, let's do St. Simons. Mm -hmm. Let's do Jersey Shore. Let's do anywhere in in Texas that is uh, South Padre Island, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay, yes. But what if I can't get insurance? Well, all of a sudden, now you are going to eliminate a large buyer pool. Right. Now you're talking about like really the rich of the rich. Super rich. Yeah. Or those are just balls out nutty. Right. And want to own an asset worth of several million dollars that's uninsurable. Or if it is insurable, it's bare bone minimum insurance. Right. What does that look like in terms of home values? I don't know. Like, I don't know any of the answers to those questions. Just like, I don't know how do you prevent forest fires. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of know that one because I learned it as a kid, right? Yeah. Smokey the Bear. Only you. Only you. But no, it's like, how do you, how do you prevent that? How do you prevent 
hurricanes? How do you prevent tornadoes? I, flooding in the Mississippi Delta. Like you really don't. It's more of being aware for, aware of it and preparing for it. Mm. Right? How do I prepare for it? Now let's talk about a couple more opportunities and we'll kind of put this episode to a rest because it's not like a like we did an episode called Sell Like a Stripper. That yeah. was fun. I know you enjoyed yourself. That was fun. Yeah. This a little bit more serious. Yeah. yeah. This isn't fun, but it's necessary. Kind of like death and taxes. Yeah. We just gotta talk about it. So things that people should keep in mind. Whether again, you're in Florida, you have clients in, in Florida, or a natural disaster is going to impact your mm-hmm. area sometime in the next month right. to 60 months. You should also know that if for whatever reason a 203H isn't available, because maybe you weren't deemed a disaster mm-hmm. area per FEMA or per the President of the United States of America, you still have renovation loans out there. A 203K, a homestyle renovation loan. Like there are renovation loans out there where we can take a home that's already in place that is in disrepair and we can actually fix it up. Mm-hmm. Are those loans fun, John? Mm-hmm. Hell to the no. No, they're diff- paperwork intensive loans. They are paperwork. They are m- paperwork intensive. They are many moving parts. Yeah. Many, many moving parts. Let me ask you a question. Do you think most loan originators and realtors in this wonderful US of A, do you think they've done, mm. I don't know, two or three? They're not, no. No. If ever. No. Like, um, Joe Minglardi, who I've tried to get on the show. Shout out to Joe. Shout out, Joe. Joe was once the knight on top of the Pegasus for a UCF. If you ever go to a UCF oh, right, home yeah. game, like they had this knight coming yeah. out on the horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was once Joe back in his glory days. Nice. But he's a badass loan officer, right? His, his father was a mentor of mine, still is. And then he's a loan officer in Orlando. His brother's a badass LO up in Chicago. And Joe does a lot of two or three K loans. There's a lot of renovation loans. There are very few Joe's out there. Mm-hmm. Most loan originators. And I was one of them. I didn't do a whole lot of them, which meant if I'm not doing them every month or every two months, I'm not that good at them. It means I'm going to have to slow down, take a deep breath, take a step back, really think things through. It's going to take me twice as long or three times as long. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need my realtors to be patient with me. I need my consumer to be patient with me. And by the way, it's the realtor's first time going through it, and it's the consumer's first and only time going through it. But those products are out there. I would first start looking at a 203H. If that doesn't work, a 203K or a homestyle renovation. In fact, in order, I would do 203H, homestyle renovation, and then a 203K. Mm. Homestyle renovation is a conventional conforming loan. 203K is a type of FHA loan. But that one has different requirements as it pertains to down payment, et cetera. And then there's this. I learned this when Florida was impacted by Hurricane Michael a few years back. Hurricane Michael decimated Panama City, Mexico Beach. So that is like the beginning of the panhandle of Florida. The panhandle of Florida starts for the most part Mexico Beach, Panama City-ish, and runs probably about 150 miles until you get to Pensacola. Once you get to Pensacola, you're in Alabama, right? It's like Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, kind of all converges right there. During that time period, Florida rolled out through their state bond agency. So Florida housing rolled out with this hardest hit fund. Mm. And if you're in a certain geographic region, you're eligible for $15,000 of down payment assistance. Like, damn. Mm. Now we've already reached out to our contact with Florida housing. And he said, Hey, look, we can see the housing agent potentially agency potentially being there to help out, but 
it's not going to be more than likely. It's not going to be like the hardest hit fund was with Hurricane Michael. And the rationale is, if you remember, John, the state of Florida just rolled out like this crazy down payment assistance mm -hmm. for heroes. And it's giving like large amounts of money for down payment and closing costs for people who are in like 40 or 50 right. different job descriptions, nurses, teachers, firefighters, EMTs, et cetera. So because of that, a lot of the resources have been already allocated to this awesome product. But what he did say is if they did anything, they would potentially remove the requirement for someone to be a first time home buyer, or they would increase because these loan products tend to have like income caps. Like you can't make more than X. Mm -hmm. They would, they would increase that for people who are in designated right. areas of disaster. Right. So I share this with the audience because you may not be in Florida, but you will one day be in an area that, that is devastated. You need to know about a 203H program. You need to look towards your state housing finance agencies to see if they're going to open up any type of funds available so people can, can build back better mm -hmm. their community. Mm -hmm. I know we did a ton of hardest hit funds in, in Panama City, Florida. And I know we did a few 203Hs. And that was just two or three years ago. But this is real stuff. It's not going to go away. This is what keeps the Jamie Diamonds of the world up at night, right? Jamie Diamonds, the CEO of Chase. So he has to overlook all of Chase's business channels. So that's mortgage, commercial, mm -hmm. real estate, auto, right? Everything, investments, et cetera, et cetera. And when you talk to someone like him regarding the housing real estate finance industry one of the biggest things that keeps them up at night is not oh my gosh we're lending money to people too loosely because we have low ficos or high dti's it's like no oh my gosh how many losses am i going to incur on these properties that i am financing that are going yeah. to wind up being in the path of natural disasters as well as being underinsured or the insurance companies that are insuring them are underfunded mm -hmm. Right, because insurance is only as good as the money that backs it. And the minute that money runs out, you don't want to be the last one holding that potato. Yeah. Right, that that potato turns into a hand grenade pretty quickly. And we all know what happens when a hand grenade goes off in your hands. Right. Yeah, R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all we have for you today, John. Like, do you have any further questions? You tend to ask the question that the audience right. really wants to know. I do have one final question. Okay. What's the time frame after the disaster happens that you are like allowed? to apply for one of these programs? Is there like, hey, after 60 days, that's it? Let's say if I wait like a year and a half and be like, oh yeah, like two years ago, my house was decimated. Can I apply for one of these? That's a great question, John. How about you look that up and get back to us <laughs> when you have the answer? No, honestly, I don't know it. Okay. Like here we are, it's the Monday after the weekend of the hurricane. Our AC is not working. Those lights that you have shining on my bald head are hot <laughs> AF. Right. And um, I wanted to run a fan, but the fan was just too loud for the mics. Yeah, I would pick it up. Yeah, no, I don't know that answer. It's a great question, right? It's it's a great question. And I think that's something for the loan originator, the real estate agents, right. or even the borrower to themselves want to solve for. Because you should be asking yourself, okay, but when can I start applying for this? And then how much time do I have to use it? Right. Is it 12 months? Is it 24 months? My guess somewhere in the middle. Okay. I bet it's somewhere between... I can't imagine being less than 12. Right. But I can't imagine going over 24. Right. Hey, so, three, three years ago, I'm not sure. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. It makes yeah, sense. yeah. But, but somewhere in, in that ballpark. And look, so much of this topic is 
out of my shmi subject matter expert, but enough of it sits on my plate that the goal was just to make the audience say, hmm, hmm. okay. So if I were to paraphrase, you now have learned and been taught that a major, the major concern for the mortgage, finance, real estate world is natural disasters and how it's going to impact housing. That's where lenders and investors are most worried about future losses. It's not in people going bankrupt or foreclosed on or losing their job. It's the actual asset that they are backing going bye-bye due to a natural disaster. We have learned that our communities need our help. We can help them by bringing to them products and education that will benefit their situation. Mm -hmm. So I dropped some knowledge on the 203H, dropped some reminders on there's things like 203Ks, there's things like homestyle renovation loans. Mm -hmm. And then I even hinted at the fact that you should and would want to check with your local and state housing authorities to see if there's any type of money and if there is money available to people who are impacted what are the stipulations yeah and then lastly we talked a little bit about insurance like i'm not an insurance agent maybe one day i'll open an insurance agency mm -hmm. but i still will have an insurance agent that is going to be the shmi i have friends like taylor young Shout out Taylor. Yeah, there we go. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and his brother, Brett, mm -hmm. who are phenomenal awesome insurance yeah. agents that we've had both on the show. Mm -hmm. And they can drop way more knowledge on that. But I want people to know that, yes, when there's a catastrophic event, even though you have insurance, it still comes with asterisks. Mm -hmm. It still comes with footnotes. Mm -hmm. And your home may have been worth 700000 John, but we're only going to give you five hundred or four hundred. Now, four or five hundred may be enough because maybe your home was worth 700000 because of its location and that land is still usable. But there are going to be some people who can't afford their deductible. There's going to be some people that the cost to rebuild in today's dollars is way greater than mm -hmm. the insurance policy they originally had taken out. And unfortunately, there's going to be some people who their carrier is unable to, to, to pay the claim for various reasons. And that's just sad. There's no other way to put it, but it's sad. It's factual, it's real life, and shitty things happen to good people, and that is going to be the case for a select amount of people. Hopefully it's not the case for all. Right. Our job is to be educators, our job is to be problem solvers, and we need to stay solution-oriented. And if we can do that, we can not only do what's right by our community, but we can also bring in some revenue at the same time. I call that a win-win. Win-win. Yeah. So that's all I got to say about that. Well, that's all the time we have for today. He's <laughs> Dustin Owen. I'm John Coleman. We yeah. Like, how do you wrap up one of these shows? But that yeah, way. Yeah. Hey, look, if you like what we're doing, I know this was a fairly solemn episode, and we try to keep it fun, but this mm -hmm. time we, we erred on the side of educating yeah. over entertaining. But we do have some entertaining shit out there. Most of it, if not all of it, can be found on our website, theloanofficerpodcast.com or TLOP, T-L-O-P, online.com. Check us out. Follow us on social. Like us. Share us. If you want to connect, I'm easiest connected on LinkedIn. His name is John Coleman. If you want to find his contact information, just Google him. But that is all the time we have for you today. We will catch you on the next episode. Peace.